Hey church, uh, coming to you on Tuesday, continuing our growth practices series, uh, where we're looking at just spiritual disciplines or things we can put into practice that will help us grow in our relationship with Christ. And the one that I want to talk about today is uh, the practice of silence. Now, when I say the practice of silence, we probably, depending on how we're wired and our personality, have different reactions to it. Uh, to some of you, silence is, is the greatest thing on earth. Uh, to others of you, you're more like me, and silence can feel like death uh, at times. I like noise, I like talking, I like going. Uh, and at times, we're called to practice silence. Uh, so I want to just uh, expound on this a little bit and just share a little bit uh, about what the practice of silence actually is. Because the, the practice of silence doesn't just mean less talking, uh, though it, it does include less talking, but it's not necessarily as simple as that. One of the aspects of, of, of a discipline of silence that we need to learn and grow in is not just being silent, though we'll talk about that here in a sec, but is actually listening. To just stop talking but not have a posture of listening is not a discipline of silence. What we need to do, what we're trying to cultivate, isn't just less words coming out of our face, but is actually a posture where we are silent for the purpose of hearing the whispers of God. Rarely in our lives does God yell, does God shout. Uh, I'm reminded of a story of Elijah who, who needs to hear from the Lord and the Lord says, go up to a mountain and I'll speak to you. And so he goes up and, and there's an earthquake and a windstorm and a fire, all of these loud, crazy things. But in none of those, it says, is the voice of the Lord found. Finally, all of that quiets down and Elijah, you can imagine him kind of sitting there like straining to hear. And it says that there is a still small voice, a whisper, where the Lord speaks. Elijah had to go up onto a mountaintop to a, to a solitude kind of place to be able to hear the whisper of the Lord. We see Jesus all of the time going away to a solitary place to pray. And it says that he would hear the voice of God there. He would go to quiet, lonely places but not just for the purpose of, man, life's too crazy, I just need a breather, always with a posture of listening, trying to hear from the Lord. And so as we talk about the, the practice of silence, I first wanna put that out there, that it's not just going someplace quiet, someplace where the kids can't get to you, where life is not so loud and you can just breathe, because man, I tell my kids, my ears are tired. That is real, and there are times that we need those kind of places just to give ourselves a break, and that's good and healthy. But that in and of itself is not the practice of silence. The practice of silence has more to do with listening than it does not talking. Are we in a spot where we can listen for the Lord and hear from Him? Uh, we'll talk here in a minute about some practical steps, what some of those uh, solitary, quiet places might be in our lives. But I want to move on to another piece of the practice of silence, and it actually is talking less. Uh, not necessarily, like, don't think of some monks who take vows of silence for 30 years and never speak, and it's kind of this law that's put on them. Uh, when we talk about a practice of silence, and, and, and think about it from the the perspective of speaking less, 
It's not about I'm better, I'm more Christian because I just didn't talk at all today. What it's really about, and Richard Foster in his book Celebration of Disciplines talks about this. He says, think about how much of what you have to say involves justifying yourself or building yourself up. How much of the words that you use have to do with maybe people misunderstood that and I need to make sure they understand me correctly. And it's defending ourselves. It's, it's, it's making sure that people see me this certain way. Words are one of our most persuasive tools. And how often do we use those to persuade people to think the best of us, to defend ourselves if there might be some kind of a misunderstanding, to build ourselves up and make ourselves look good. Think about how many times you've seen this play out. Somebody shares a funny story or an exciting story and right on the heels of it, potentially before they even finish, somebody else goes, I have one. And, and it's this one-upmanship that begins to be played. Not that telling stories are bad, not that telling jokes are bad, but how often inside in our hearts is there a need to be better, to build myself up, to put myself on top. And really what that is, is it's pride. It's me taking care of me. One of the things that this discipline of silence offers us is the ability to rest in who God says that I am. Even if I don't have the funniest story, the funniest joke, the craziest thing, even if people misunderstand me, which is hard for us, even if people think poorly of me because they didn't know what was going on in my heart when this happened, when that came out, to allow the Lord to be my defense, to allow the Lord to speak who I am, identity to me. This is huge for us, but so many of us are out of practice because we're so used to being our own defender. We're so used to, to building up our own reputation and we use our words to do it, that to practice the discipline of silence, to go even if they don't understand, I'm just gonna allow the Lord to take care of that. I'm not going to defend myself. I'm not going to use my words to persuade others to think better of me. You'll find that if you focus on this and if you work on what James says is taming the tongue, not using our tongue for selfish gains, you'll find that you will speak a whole lot less words and it will cause you to depend on the Lord. It will cause you to listen all the more clearly for the Lord. Because now instead of getting affirmation from other people all the time or, or knowing that I worded it just perfectly so that people think well of me, I'm caused to rely on the Lord. Lord, I am who you say I am, even if they don't understand, even if that didn't make sense, even if right now this person has the spotlight on them and everything in me wants the spotlight on me, I don't need that, Lord. I refuse to use my words to build myself up. I'm gonna rely on what you say about me. You can begin to see the difficulty of this practice. Truly, this starts to look like what Jesus says, death to self. This is a difficult practice. But in doing so, what we find is true life. The rest from not having to defend myself, not having to build up my reputation, but just receiving what comes from the Lord is incredible. I'm aware that I'm talking fast and using a lot of words while talking about silence. Uh, and I think that that in me is I just want to be very clear about all the implications of this. 
but I also feel like I'm breaking my own rules to get that across. Uh, and so I just want to uh, move into some practical steps that may help us with this and honestly lay it at your feet for you to begin uh, to attempt the practice of silence in small, meaningful ways, and the Lord can teach you what it means in those. Uh, I'm, I'm aware that my desire is to, to lay it all out before you and be persuasive and succinct and, and have all the points and be convincing, uh, but truly, this is something the Lord has to do, uh, and it's not my job to convince. It's not my job to use my words to get you to think a certain way I simply want to lay this before you and allow the Spirit to do His work. So, the question then becomes, how do we begin to practice silence? First, I would say silence and solitude go hand in hand. Uh, we best learn silence when we can practice spaces of solitude. Solitude just simply meaning alone. Uh, being alone and quiet are two things that are not only countercultural but are scary to us today. Uh, and that's a dangerous thing. So what I want to do is maybe offer you some practical terms to give you bite-sized tastes of solitude and silence. Maybe you wake up first in your house, before the kids get up, before the commotion happens, before your spouse wakes up, whatever it may look like, and maybe it's just for a few minutes lying in bed, you have some quiet. What would it look like to, in those times, just say, Lord, is there anything you want to say to me? and then just being quiet in your spirit and listening. Maybe it's a minute, two minutes. Maybe those times that, let's be real, we go into the bathroom, maybe we don't take our phone with us. And maybe for that couple minutes, if you're a parent, you understand that a bathroom is a place of solitude, but we don't waste that opportunity. Maybe we leave the phone, we leave whatever it is we read or take into the bathroom with us, and we spend that time just going, Lord, for this few minutes, is there anything you want to say to me? Maybe it's as you're making your cup of coffee in the morning, something you have that's a routine. That's your time to just say, Lord, while I do this, while I go through this small menial task, is there something you want to say to me? Maybe it's even when you're driving, uh, you know, you've got five minutes on your way into work. Maybe you don't turn the radio on. And in that time of silence, Lord, what do you want to say? They sound small, but if you're like me, they're scary. What if I get bored? What if he doesn't talk? What if he says something I don't like? I'd rather fill the space with noise, with, with music, with uh, things that I can get distracted by because that's more comfortable to me, but it's also death to my soul. What if I took some of these everyday occurrences and turned them into moments of solitude and silence so that I could hear from the Lord? What if I put on the calendar uh, once every three months that I was going to take an evening, three hours, and I was just going to spend time in silence? Maybe do some reading. Maybe try to figure out, Lord, is there, uh, is there something you're calling me to in these next three months? Something you want me to do that's different? And I spend time just listening for him. It's an evening. It's not that big of a deal. Though as the time comes, it will feel daunting. But do we trust him to speak to us? Are we willing to have that posture of silence and listening? Maybe in the conversations, the next time I'm around the water cooler or with family and friends, and I feel that urge to tell the next story that's, that's bigger and badder, when I feel like someone has misunderstood something and I feel the need to defend myself, maybe in those times I choose to tame my tongue 
and be silent, allowing the Lord to take care of my reputation, allowing the Lord to be my defender, and finding my identity in Him. These are small steps, but ones that if we take, will produce great fruit in our lives. Will you practice, begin to practice, the discipline of silence with me, and may the Lord bless us as we follow Him in this.